I was thinking about this this week. How many of you have a bucket list? Anybody know what a bucket list is? A bucket list is a list of things that you want to do in your lifetime. Many people kind of put these lists together. Typically, bucket lists have things like this. Like some people say, I'm on my bucket list is a bunch of places I want to go. You know, like maybe I want to go visit the East Coast. Maybe I want to visit uh, Hawaii or South America. Uh, my wife and I, we would love to find ourselves in Europe. We love the history and the culture and the architecture. At some point in our lives, we'd love to go to Europe. That's kind of one of those things you put on your bucket list. We want to go here at some point and see this thing. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's like, I want to go to an event, you know? So maybe for you, you're like, I want to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe for you, it's like, I want to go to a concert. I got a, I got a pastor friend of mine who loves the band U2. And he said, I've been to U2 concerts. I've been to like 20 of them. And I'm like, man, you really love, like, what's so big about U2? And he said, it's all about Bono. And I said, who is she? And uh, his bucket list thing is he wants to go and, and see the U2 concert in, in, in England. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a, a cool event for you. Uh, sometimes people are like, hey, my bucket list has some extreme sport, some crazy thing. Like, I remember, uh, I remember when I was growing up, we lived on this road, and there was a neighbor that had a hill in his front yard, and we'd always go to his house, and we'd sled when it snowed, and so he'd always know all the kids, and I remember he turned 75 years old, and he's like, hey, all you kids, come inside that, now this is a back in the day when people still did this, but he's like, hey, all you kids from the neighborhood, come inside my house, which is a little scary, but it was okay. We go inside his house, and he shows us this, this video uh, cassette, and this is before DVDs, before YouTube. And he puts his cassette into the VCR, and, and for his 75th birthday, he jumped out of an airplane. He was like, I always wanted to do this, and I figure I'm just going to die in a few years. I might as well do it today. So he jumped out of an airplane with a parachute. I should clarify that. He did the whole jumping out of the parachute, you know. Maybe for you, that's your bucket list. I want to I climb a mountain. I want to run a marathon. I want to do this or that. Maybe your bucket list is something related to your family. You know, like, like maybe for you, you're like, man, my bucket list is to meet a girl and get married. Man, praise God, I hope that happens. Maybe for you, it's like, we just want to have kids. <laughs> we want our kids to grow out of the house. Uh, we want to have grandkids. We want to do, like, we have these things that we want to do in our life. Now, the thing with a bucket list, though, is we create a bucket list, and we say, these are things I want to do before I die, because we assume we won't have a chance to do these things again, right? We think about all that this world has to offer, all the earth has, and we're like, man, I want some of that because I'm not going to have a chance to do it again. And actually, there are, are some of us that actually live our lives like this, where we are so consumed with what this earth and this world has to offer. That's all our focus is. We're trying to get all we can. We want all the experiences, as many of them as we can get. But what if this isn't it? What if this earth is not all there is? What about heaven? Now, I know anytime we start talking about heaven, uh, what do you think of? Many people start thinking of either some of the corny jokes about heaven they've heard or about the movies they've watched, right? So, so my favorite corny joke about heaven is, is one day in heaven, a pastor and a taxi driver Okay, you got a pastor and a taxi driver. They die on the same day. And they go to the pearly gates. And who's, at the, who's always at the pearly gates? St. Peter, right? 
So they go, they meet St. Peter at the pearly gates, and, and he says, oh, pastor, follow me. And he takes a pastor to this room, and he takes him to this empty room. There's nothing but like, like a, a single cot, you know, like a single bed. There's uh, a choir robe and, and a harp. And, and he's like, this is your room for eternity in heaven. And then he takes the taxi driver. He says, follow me. And he takes him down to a large room, a huge room. It's got a king-size bed. It's got uh, a, a huge TV. It's got a jacuzzi. It's got a private chef. And the taxi driver's like, whoa, like, I get all of this? And he's like, something's wrong. Maybe this should be the pastor's, like, room. Like, like I should be there. He should be here. St. Peter says, well, <laughs> uh, you know, when the pastor preached, people slept. But when you drove, people prayed. It's all about results up here, baby. You know, we believe these funny jokes about heaven, about the pearly gates and St. Peter. Or we allow the movies to influence what we think about heaven. And so I will say that when I was younger, I thought, I thought God was like Morgan Freeman, right? Because I watched that movie, uh, Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. And I was like, oh, that is who God is. He is, he is Morgan Freeman. Or we start thinking about heaven. And how many of us picture ourselves sitting on a cloud? playing harps like a never-ending church service. How many of us go there? We're like, if heaven, if heaven is limited to that, like, I'm not sure I'm signing up for that. I mean, like, I love coming to church, but like a never-ending church service, like, is that all heaven is? If that is all heaven is, it's no wonder why many of us are consumed with this earth, with this world. But maybe, maybe, Maybe the movie's got it wrong. Maybe heaven is greater than we actually thought. Maybe heaven is so great, it would actually be worth us letting go of the things of this earth in order to get something even greater in heaven. That's where we're going today. We've been in this series now for 30 weeks. Today is the conclusion of the series that we called The Story where we're trying to, to look at the meta-narrative of the Bible from the very beginning in Genesis 1 all the way through Genesis chapter 22 to see how you've got all these different stories, all these different characters, all these different commands, and they're actually not these individual uh, one-off one stories and commands. They're actually part of a one big story. The Bible is one big story all about Jesus and what he has done for us. And we've made it through 30 weeks. Praise God for that. Today, we are talking about heaven and I felt as we started talking about heaven, I felt I should give you a little bit of a disclaimer, okay? I've never actually been there, right? Right? I've never been there. Listen, there are people who claim they've been there, and they've written books and become best-selling authors, right? Like, I'm not saying whether those people's stories are true or not, but I will say I think God's intention for us when he wants us to learn about heaven, I think God's intention for us is not to hear from people who claim they went there. I think God's intention for us to learn about heaven and all things on the Christian life is, is this book right here. I think God's intention is he's given us his book so we can learn all we need to know about heaven and the Christian life, which is what we're trying to do through this series of saying, help us understand what the Bible is all about. Now, obviously, we start talking about heaven and hell. And these are huge topics, absolutely ginormous. And what we want to do is trying to get like the the, the bird's eye view of heaven and hell today. 
We want to get the 30,000 of you looking down to get the big picture of what heaven and hell is about. And what I hope we walk away with today is as we talk about this, my desire is that we would recognize that the hope of heaven and the despair of hell are realities that should shape how we live today on the earth. So, the book of Revelation, the passage that uh, Corey read for us today, is actually uh, uh, written by the Apostle John. This was the apostle whom Jesus loved, and he was uh, exiled to the island of Patmos, and God gave him this miraculous vision. He gave him this vision where he was able to see uh, a picture of what heaven is going to be like and a picture of what hell is going to be like. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at four pictures, four word pictures of his vision of heaven, and then we'll look at a couple realities of hell, and then we'll wrap it up and put a bow on it. So his vision of heaven, here's the first word uh, that, that gives us that picture of heaven, renewal, renewal. Look at Revelation 21 verse 1. John says, I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, this is where he describes uh, heaven as a, as a city. I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, oftentimes, when we think about heaven, what do we think about? We think about the clouds. We think heaven is somewhere up in the clouds, and it's just in the cosmos. It's in the ethereal somewhere up there, and it's like, I don't know where heaven is. It's something, you know, floating out in space. But John just said that's not what heaven actually is. When he says, I saw the new heaven and the new earth, this doesn't mean like brand new. It actually means it is renewed. It is remade. So when we start thinking about heaven, there's going to be some things that we're going to recognize because it's, it's the new, it's the earth. It's, it's the earth made renewed. So there's going to be some things that we recognize, but there's also going to be some things that are beyond our, beyond our understanding. That's why he calls it the new heaven and the new earth. So I tried to figure out, like, how can I explain this to you in a way that you'd understand? And I thought about it this way. I've got a friend who has a 1966 Fastback Mustang, okay? It is a beautiful car, a beautiful car. Sometimes he drives it to church and parks it right out here, and I'm always afraid that someone's going to walk by and just put their finger on it because, you know, guys in their cars. He's got this beautiful car. And I remember when he said, hey, I've got this car, and I'm not just going to restore it. I'm going to remake it right? And so when he remade this car, I mean, he brought it back to its original luster, but he did some other things to it. He put a modern suspension in it. He put the new LED dashboard and the LED lights. He made it better than original. He, he improved upon it. Okay, that is kind of the, a really bad analogy, but that is the, the picture I'm getting about the heaven and earth, is where we look at the, 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 the earth, God's going to remake it. He's going to take it and bring it to its original luster and make it even better than we knew it in the very beginning. Can you grasp that? See, when we think about heaven, heaven is not us just floating on the cloud somewhere. No, everything that we loved about this earth is going to be there minus a sin. You think about that? Like everything we love about this, this creation's beauties, this world's beauties are going to be heightened beyond what we could understand. The pleasures of this, wor or of this world are going to be, uh, going to be uh, strengthened. 
our limitations that we know on this earth will be removed. We will have pleasure without pain. We'll have beauty that's not tainted by the curse. Can you think about how amazing that's going to be? Like, think about this. Think about this. Like, think about what do you think a glorified Hawaii will look like? Right? Like, Hawaii is like the iconic destination, and you can picture the beaches. What we have, what we see, what we think is amazing is tainted by sin. Can you imagine what a glorified uh, Hawaii is going to look like? Man, what do, you think, what do you think a glorified cheeseburger is going to taste like? And I'm not talking about that, like that imitation, like, like insignificant burger or the fake burger. Like I'm talking about the real meat and, and cheese and bacon. And like, like what's that going to taste like? And better yet, it's not going to cause any problems in my, in, in my heart and with my, with my diabetes and all that other stuff. What do you think, what do you think glorified movies are going to be like? Like, 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 does that mean Nicolas Cage will star in every single movie that we watch? And he's just like the action star and the romantic comedy star and all those things. Like, what, what about, what about this? You ever think about ice cream and pie? Listen, I think an ice cream and pie, when we get to heaven, it's not going to cause us to gain weight. I think broccoli is going to cause us to gain weight, right? Like, can you, like, I want us to picture this idea of, of, of just a redeemed, a redeemed earth. In a redeemed earth, like, I don't know, but I believe the Seahawks are going to be unbeaten in every game. And the Raiders will lose again and again and again. Like, that's, like, I don't know. That's just, when I think about a redeemed earth, that's where my mind goes. In fact, one of the commentators talking about this passage said, this is what heaven is like. Heaven is not pie in the sky. It's not us floating in the ethereal. And, and, no, heaven is a feast on earth where we have the best of this earth redeemed and glorified and made perfect. I think it's one of those things, it's almost hard for us to imagine how great that would be. Number one, his vision of heaven is that it is renewed, is a renewal. Number two is reunion. Look at verse three. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. See, in heaven, God is, and his people, us, we're going to be redeemed. We're going to be reunited. We're going to be brought back together. And you know what's cool is not only that, not only are we reunited with him, but we will be reunited with loved ones and friends who have died in Jesus. Right? Right? Because one of the things that happens is when we place our faith in Jesus, once we become a, a Christian, we become a part of the eternal family of God. So we have a, we have a unity that unites us, a love that is, is, is something that never fades, a love that, that transcends this earth. And so while we experience grief in this lifetime, we have this promise of a reunion with those that we love. In fact, as we think about the holidays, many of us are reflecting on those who are no longer with us. And this is where the hope of heaven is so beautiful because we have the promise of our reunion with those who have gone before us. And how amazing will that be? But the greatest reunion is not just with our fellow the believers. The greatest reunion will be with God himself. In fact, in Revelation chapter 22, just a, few, just a page ahead, 22 verse 4 
John says, they, us believers, we will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads and the night shall be no more. We will not need light or lamp or sun for God will be their light. I think, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? We're not going to have night anymore? No, I think actually what John is saying is this is symbolic. I think he's saying that, that the darkness and the fear and the sin that's related to night, those things will be gone. We won't have to fear. We won't have to, to grieve. We won't have to have those hard things because his presence, his presence will be our constant light. So we're not going to feel that darkness. We're not going to feel loneliness. We're not going to feel abandonment. We're not going to feel judgment. We're not going to feel fear because his presence will be the light that will fill us all the time. We will bask in his beauty and his glory in his face and his presence forever. We don't have those dark nights of the soul. How amazing that's going to be? I guess even better. A third word he gives us. First, we've got the earth's going to be renewed. Second, we look forward to reunion. Third, we have this release. Release. Look at chapter 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither there will be mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. I love that. Release. You see, when we place our faith in Jesus... That moment when you put your faith in Jesus, you were saved from the punishment of sin. Praise God for that. But when we get to heaven, that is where we are saved from the power and the presence of sin. And ultimately, the pain of sin. And so when he says pain shall be no more, think about that. No more pain. No more chronic illness. No more aching joints. No more failing bodies. Like, how many of us would be like, man, I'd love to wake up and not have to deal with this stuff anymore? No more cancer. No more surgery. When he says, and tears shall be no more, think about, think about the tears. No more depression. No more fear. No more worry. No more stress. No more relational conflict. Like, can we even, can you even imagine life like this? Can you imagine a life with no emergency rooms? Can you imagine a life with no ICUs, no, no, no cancer clinics, no funeral homes, no pharmacies, no grief counselors, no security guards? Can you imagine no airport security lines? Like, can you, can you picture no more antidepressants? Can you imagine this world completely released from the pain and the tears and the struggle that we deal with? Can you imagine your life without sin? No more fear, no more selfishness, no more jealousy that so often plagues our hearts. One of the books we recommended you read during the series was a Jesus storybook Bible, a children's Bible. I recognize that. They do a good job similarly in the same way of looking at the entire Bible and pointing it all back to Jesus. And on this passage of scripture, this is the way they wrote it. They said, all sad things will come untrue. You know, I think one of the things I, I want to clarify with that, I don't think in heaven that we forget our memories from this earth. But it's kind of like we're able to see all those sad things that happened, we're able to see what God was doing in them. 
were able to see that God was going to use them to bring joy, to bring purpose in everything we've gone through. And all those sad things will be gone. They'll be made untrue because now they're removed from us. We no longer have to deal with that pain and those tears and that fear and all those other things. Fourth vision of heaven. You don't have to turn to chapter 22 for this. Is that we are going to reign. In heaven, we will reign. Revelation 22, verse 5. And it says, And they, us Christians, believers, will reign with him forever and ever. We will reign in heaven. Now, listen, I, I will say, I'm not exactly sure who we're going to reign over. There are some commentators that say we reign over the angels, some commentators say that we will reign over creation itself. Listen, I don't know who we're going to reign over. But I, I think the point is, listen, you are not destined. You are not destined to be insignificant. You are not destined to be a nobody. You're not destined to be forgotten. Now, our destiny as sons and daughters of the king of kings, as sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, we are destined to be royalty, to be a, a prince and, and princess. That doesn't mean that we get to boss people around, but it means our, our identity is we are sons and daughters of God. We are heirs of the kingdom of God. So we can live with a little bit of dignity because we're not just these insignificant people. No, we are sons and daughters of the king of kings. I don't know about you, but I get excited about some of those words about this earth being made new, about us having that reunion with him and with with those that we've loved that have gone before us. About being released from the pain of this life. And about that idea of us being heirs with God to the kingdom. That's pretty remarkable. But I think it would do a, a disservice for us to, to look at the reality and the beauty and the hope of heaven without looking at the reality of hell. I mean, John doesn't do that. John gives us a very clear portrait and vision of hell. Two things I want to give us on his uh, vision of hell. Number one, hell is a place of eternal torment. Look at chapter 21, verse 8, Revelation 21, 8. John writes and says, As for the cowardly and the faithless, and the detestable, or detestable, the murderers, the sexual immorality, uh, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, their portion is the lake that burns with sulfur and fire. Like, I don't know what images come to your mind for that. That ought to be one, some images that are pretty, pretty awful. Pretty awful. Burning fire, eternal suffering, sulfur, burns forever. But like, is there any worse pain than, than, than getting burned, right? Like, I, I've never had to go to, uh, into the burn unit. But as I understand, when you get burned, like, like, deeply, like, that is a very, 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 very painful injury to have to sustain. I think about what Jay Leno went through. Like, like, like that pain would be unbearable. And think about that. That would be just for a moment. Can you imagine eternal suffering from the flames of fire? The torment from that? Now, I know... If you're here today and you're like, well, I don't know if I really believe in that. That doesn't sound very fair of God, right? 
Like we live on this earth for 70 years. We make some mistakes on this earth for 70 years. And then we have to suffer a life, an eternity of eternal punishment. How fair is that? Listen, our duration of sin does not matter as much as the one that we are sinning against, right? Sin gains its wickedness not by how long we sin, but the one we sin against. Like, do you understand how this works? Again, I wanted to give you an analogy of this, all right? So let's just say, just say, for example, I'm frustrated. I get mad. If I punch a wall, you're like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. You probably broke your hand, right? If I punch, a, if I, if I punch my dog, you're like, yeah, you might get fined. If I get mad and I punch a woman, I'll probably get arrested. But if I get mad and I try and punch the president, like, I'm probably going to get arrested and go to Guantanamo Bay. Maybe not. I don't know. You see how it progressively gets worse and worse and worse. Listen, sin gains in wickedness in the one that we sin against. And so we, when we sin against an infinite, holy God, that makes our wickedness infinitely wicked. When we sin against an eternal God, it warrants an eternal judgment. Like, that's how sin works. It's not a matter of how long we sin. It's the one we sin against. Our sins are against God and, are against God, and God alone. And I know then we say, well, okay, that's fine. Why can't God just let it go? Hey, we all made some mistakes. Why can't God just, just look over it? Because God is a God of justice. In fact, Psalm 89 says that justice is the foundation of God's entire universe. It's the foundation of who he is. And justice demands restitution. Justice demands, this is why we get angry when somebody does something that we clearly know is wrong and justice isn't served. When somebody gets away with something, we're like, man, that's not right. And we have this righteous indignation that fires up. I mean, think about this. Think of how angry you get. When you watch the news and you find somebody that you know is guilty gets away with whatever it happens to be, right? When somebody gets away with something that we disagree with, might be O.J. Simpson, might be George Floyd. I mean, you can think of all these stories that maybe have, have riled you up or like, that's so wrong. How could this happen? Because we have within us this idea of justice. Justice needs to be served. Listen, God is a God of justice. And hell is where God will right all of the wrongs, restore the justice to the universe. Second vision about hell might be surprising to you is hell is actually locked from the inside. We think hell being that place that God sends because he's so mad at us and we've done wrong. No, actually hell is locked from the inside. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 22, the next page over, 22 verse 11. John writes and says, let the evildoer still do evil. Let the filthy still do filthy. And the righteous still do righteous. And the holy still do holy. See, those in hell are there because that is their chosen destination. People in hell are there because they chose not to repent. They chose to remain evil, to remain corrupt, to remain uh, haters of God. I mean, yes, I would say those in hell, they hate the torment. They hate the suffering, but ultimately, they hate the authority of God that much more. They have chosen. This is why hell is described as a lake of fire. Because fire, when fire is left unchecked, what happens? 
When fire is left unchecked, it continues to grow. This is what happens in a forest fire. A forest fire starts, if it's left unchecked, it will just continue to spread and grow. Listen, the same thing happens with sin. When we, when we, when we start some sort of sin, when we allow some sort of sin in, we think it's distinct from us. We think, oh, that sin, it's fine. I can control it. I'm in charge of it. I can stop when I want to. But when that sin remains unchecked, that sin grows until it consumes us. It becomes this inseparable part of us. I mean, how many people got into to drugs or alcohol or whatever it happened to be, and they thought, I can control this. I got this. I'm strong enough. Left unchecked, it consumes them to where it becomes this inseparable part of them. See, I think hell, in a very real sense, is where the sins that we choose not to repent of, they actually consume us. They consume us. They're the fire that have taken over our lives to consume us. And death is simply the line where we become fixed on the decisions that we made on this earth. Death is that line where we have to decide whether I'm either going to repent or not. I'm either going to, to be given over to my sin or I'm going to be given over to Jesus. Death is that line, where are we going to do? The hope of heaven is beyond what I think we could ever imagine. Despair of hell? Recognize, I'm trying to take about six minutes to tell you about hell. I'm trying to paint a pretty dire picture. Because I want us to, to understand from this passage, the summary is the hope of heaven and the despair of hell are realities that should shape our perspective on this life. The beauty the grandeur, the, the beyond imagination of heaven and the eternal suffering of hell. They should be something that impact how we live today in the here and now. So what do we do with that? Here's our application, number one. We've got to recognize that this earth is simply a sample of what is to come. We've got to recognize this earth is just a sampling. I, I spent... Two hours trying to figure out how to, how to share this and, and, and illustrate this for you. And I didn't come up with a great image. Here's what I came up with. Like, I love going to Costco during lunchtime. You know why you go to Costco during lunchtime? The samples. You get to go around. They've got all sorts of samples. Now, now here's, here's the silly thing is, though. Like, I can go around Costco at, at lunchtime. And I get this little sample of a hot dog. And I'm like, man, that is so good. I, I love that hot dog. Like, that that that. All beef, just, oh, yeah. How foolish would it be me to say, I'm going to give all my life to this little sample when all I have to do is walk to the, to the, to the food court. And for $1.50, I get that foot-long hot dog covered in, in relish and, and, and ketchup and mustard. And I get a root beer with that as well for a dollar stinking 50. Like, how often are we looking at this life thinking, I'm selling for this little sample, this little taste, when God's like, no, I've got so much more for you. I've got so much more that you could have. It's foolish for us to fall in love with a sample when God's saying, there's so much more that I've got for you. I got a second picture for you, a second illustration. And this is going to be so dumb, I know, but I laughed for, for half an hour this week. 
Like, like heaven would be the Mona Lisa. I think we got a picture of the Mona Lisa. Like, there's the Mona Lisa. That's heaven. That's the real thing. But what do we do? Instead of looking forward to the real thing, we settle on, show the next one. <laughs> that is the, <laughs> that is Vin Diesel as the Mona Lisa, right? We settle on a cheap imitation. We settle on this disfigured, ugly imitation instead of saying, look what God's trying to offer us. This is so much greater. See, when we fall in love with this world, like, do you recognize the things that you love are simply a sample of what is to come? This is why it is kind of dumb that we put bucket lists together. We put these bucket lists together because we think, I'll never have the chance to do this again. But that's not true for the Christian. Because when John, when God tells John, I'm going to make all things new. Listen, I'm pretty sure all things includes mountains and rivers and stars and planets and animals and culture and art and music and architecture and sports. I think when he says, I'm going to make all things new, all the things we love are going to be redeemed. There's no asterisk in my Bible. Sometimes I'm looking, I'm like, is there an asterisk to saying some things are going to be made new? No, he says, all things will be made new. In fact, in fact, John goes a little further talking about heaven. In, in, in chapter 21, verse 26, Revelation 21, 26, it says, they will bring into glory and honor of the nations. You hear that? Talking about heaven, they're going to bring the glory and honor of the nations. You know what I think that means? I think that means that in heaven, like, there's going to be the best of all the nations. The best of all cultures can be brought into heaven. Like, what is that? What, what, does that mean we're going to have the best Italian food ever? Does that mean we're going to have the best Victorian and neoclassic and, and, and modern architecture? We're getting the best of cultures. That means we're getting the best of Disneyland with no stinking lines and no large prices. That means we're going to get the best music. That means, praise God, no more country music. Praise no more Taylor Swift. And all God's people said amen, right? We get the best of culture, the best. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the redeemed earth is going to be like? It is beyond our, our imagination. It is beyond what we can even comprehend. This is why, the question is, why do we settle for the sampling? Why are we like, man, this is so great. I want all of this. Now, these are meant to be a sample to point us to something greater. This has got to be one of the things as, as a people of God that we're pointing our kids to, we're pointing one another to. Hey, listen, don't settle. This is a taste. Imagine what that's going to be like. Imagine, imagine when you're out with your kids and you're looking at the stars. Imagine, hey, kids, this is beautiful and amazing. Imagine how great the redeemed heavens are going to look. Like, that's got to be the story that we tell, is we get the, the taste of something so good, but just imagine what heaven's going to be like. Why, we got to understand what Scripture says. Scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Scripture says, and, and Scripture says uh, that 
The eye cannot see and the ear has not heard and the heart can't even conceive the things that are prepared for us to those who believe in him. I cannot wait to see what heaven's going to be like. And I'll tell you what, I have this conviction. I don't want to settle. Like, I love my life here. I love what I have going on here. But I want to know this isn't it. I want to know these are a taste of something even better. And that my focus should not just be on collecting all these things here. My focus should be, I want to get there. I want to get there. In fact, Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis, he's got a line in the very last book. (laughs) It's beautiful. As the characters have finally entered into the new heavens and the new earth, this is what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, the things that began to happen after that, after the story, were so great and so beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of the stories. And we cannot, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily after after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world was only, has only been the cover and the title page. But now, in the new heavens and the new earth, they are beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. How great of a picture of heaven is that? Now this, this life, this life is just a title page. We've got the whole story ahead of us in heaven. Don't settle for this. Now, Jesus tells a story, tells a parable about a man who finds a treasure in a field. And what does he do? He sells all of his possessions. He does everything he can to get that field. Listen, that is how we've got to view heaven. It is the treasure. It is is the place that is renewed It is a place where there is reunion. It is a place where we are released. It is a place where we reign. We've got to view this life as the starting point for us to get to there because that's where the story is. That is what we should be longing for. (laughs) Second application point. We've got to look to Jesus. Because I tell you what, this might be a surprise to you. Again, this is oftentimes how the movies view heaven how life views heaven, our culture. We, we often think heaven is our default destination, right? We think, well, you know, as long as we don't screw up too bad, we're all headed for heaven. Listen, I'll tell you what, that's not your default destination. In light of eternity, Scripture says that God did not create hell as an alternative for us. No, actually, heaven is the alternative. Notice back in Revelation 21, verse 8, notice who it was that God was sending to hell. 21 verse 8, you see the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars. I like, you read that list and some of those people you expect, you expect to hear the murderers, yes, of course they're going to go to hell. The, the, the sexual uh, impure, yes. The sorcerers, yes. Those people, they belong in hell. But let's just be honest that list includes many of us in this room. 
That list includes many of us who call ourselves Christians, who come and worship God at church. He says the cowards. That's those of us unwilling to stand up for God. He says the faithless. Those are of us who go to church, but we don't actually trust God to obey him with our money, with our relationships, with our life. He says the idolaters, those who go to church because we want something from God, but we aren't going to put him first in our life. The liars. See, every single one of us in this room, listening online, we are found at some point on this list. The reality is heaven, excuse me, hell is a real place. With despair is unbearable. It is our default destination. But the good news is it does not have to be where we end up. And this is where I come back to this entire series. I've tried to show again and again and again that God provides a way for us not to suffer eternal torment in hell. He provides a way for us to be made right with him, and it's not through religion. It's not through doing a bunch of good things. It's not through us being good people, simply through Jesus. Out of love, God sent Jesus to do something about sin and Satan and death and hell. And what did he do? He sent Jesus to the cross where he suffered in your place. He suffered for your sin. He took the judgment that you deserve upon himself. In fact, one of the last verses of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17, John writes and says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the life, take the water of life without price. reality of hell is our default destination, but the invitation is that we would come. You don't have to experience that eternal suffering. Jesus died for you so that you could be with him, so you could enjoy heaven forever. The invitation is there for you to come. The question is, will you receive him? Will you receive him sincerely? You've got to respond. Have you chosen to receive Jesus? Have you chosen to surrender to him in repentance by faith to come to him and believe what he did for you? Are you living for him? Listen, I tell you what, the hope of heaven is real. Despair of hell is real. I think today's the day that we make the decision. I'm going to choose not to settle for the sample. I'm going to choose to put my mind on him, to seek the things above, and experience what we can't even imagine. In the book of Revelation, the question often is, is it literal or is it symbolic? You know, I think the reality is, I don't think John could actually put to words all that he saw because I don't think our, 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 our language, I don't think our understanding can grasp how amazing heaven's going to be. So the invitation for us today is to come. And I invite you 
Again, it's not about religion. I can't say it enough. Restoration Church, we are a gospel people. We come back again and again and again, not to what we do, not to us being good people, not to us cleaning up our lives. We come back again and again and again to what Jesus has done for us. Because that is where life is found. That is the difference between hell and heaven. We've got to look to Jesus. Let me pray for you.